You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I am, uh, especially for some out there, would consider me still very young. (laughs) But I think in the majority of our congregation, I'm kind of in the middle of the road with many of you. And I've, um, I've been involved in full-time ministry now for over 15 years. And one thing I'm learning even now is that the Holy Spirit is the best pastor and preacher in the entire universe. And I'm not talking for any other pastor but myself. I want to get to a place where I don't even have to speak anymore. Where the Holy Spirit does it in all of you. What would that look like? One service we just worship and I get up here and just stare at you. I want it to happen. The Holy Spirit just takes over. Can the Holy Spirit work through human people? Absolutely. He loves to. He loves to. He doesn't need to, but he chooses to need to. And so my prayer for us today, and as we experience baptism later, if the Holy Spirit doesn't minister to you today, then you're listening to the wrong voice. We're in a short series. This is the last Sunday because next Sunday is our encounter worship service, which I'm so excited about. Just a time for us to worship together in an extended period of time, to pray, to pause. So this series is called A Playlist, A Worship Playlist. Most of us are in the 21st century mode already, and whatever device we have, you usually have a playlist or two, or if you're like me, or 50. And what is on your playlist is what often influences your moments in your day. And the design of this series to take three songs. The first one was, you reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart there is. Over all you reign. Jesus, you reign above it all. And last week was, it is well with my soul. No matter what comes my way. No matter what sin in my life. Because of what Jesus has done, we can say it is well. And then this Sunday, the doxology, the design of this series is to create three songs or three anthems for you to take into your pocket playlist of your soul and your mind and your will and your emotions and your spirit and your body. 
and to be able to draw from that playlist of anthems for every moment of every day. And different moments of each day call for different anthems needed to draw you and align you to the word of God, to the Father's heart, to Jesus, your Savior, and to the power of the Holy Spirit. And the incredible thing about this song called the Dexology, written by Thomas Ken in the late 1600s, I didn't know it was written that long ago. The very purpose of this song written by Thomas Ken in the late 1600s was to develop anthems, stanzas for the boys who were going to Winchester College at Oxford University. These 25 words are known to many around the world, the globe today, as the doxology. How many of you, by a show of hands, have sung this song one time or two in your past, whether a church, a funeral, a wedding? Can you just raise them high? Yeah. Can I, can I even just get a show of hands of those who've never heard the song doxology ever before? Couple. That's awesome, because you're in for a treat today. Because these words, these 25 words, are noted by many across the globe to be the single best-known verse of all Christian hymnology and poetry. Christians have been singing this song now for over Three centuries. Thomas Ken. He wrote these 25 words as an ending stanza to three hymns that he published for the students at Winchester College. He was an Anglican minister, a royal chaplain, and eventually a bishop. He first penned these verses, get this, for his students to sing upon rising in the morning, an anthem, an anthem at bedtime each evening. Later, he added a third third hymn to rehearse at midnight, where students could sing and reflect on that when they were having trouble sleeping. Each hymn was a confession of faith. Each hymn was an invocation of divine blessing. Each hymn was part of the playlist of these students at Oxford University. It was tailored to its particular moment of the day, and each of those three hymns then ended with the same 25 words known as the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Say it with me. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above all heavenly hosts. 
Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Before we get into the lyrics of the new arrangement of doxology, the original lyrics of this song beg for us to stop for just a minute and ask a very important question when it comes to living as a Christian day by day. And it's this question. Actually, it's not a question first. It's, it's, it's a statement for anthems. Anthems for each moment of your life. It's on the screen. What we think upon, what you listen to, and what you speak has influence on your perspective, attitude, and behavior. We say this to our children all the time, but we very rarely say it to ourselves. What you think upon, what you listen to, what you listen to does have weight in your life. I'm not just talking about music. I'm talking about political podcasts and media as well. I'm talking not just about novels and books. I'm talking about social media. What you speak has influence on your perspective, attitude, and behavior. And so I want to ask you this. Before we move on and transition, what kind of anthems or playlist of messages and thoughts and reflections do you have in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, in your physical reach that you can replay, reflect, and speak for moments in your day come Monday? Sadly, the majority of Christians, almost 60% of Christians are Sunday only Christians. We come to church, we sing the songs, we do the movements, and then during the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we live each moment based on how we feel and what is going on around us. We have more preparation and more time invested in knowing what's going on in social media than we have invested in a playlist of anthems that guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Can I just be real with you? When the crap hits the fan, what anthem do you pull out? Is it an anthem like, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. You're my one defense. You're my righteousness. I need you. What is the anthem you pull out when you're exhausted and you're tired? What is the anthem you pull out when people are spreading lies and talking gossip about you? What anthem do you pull out when you have been betrayed and wronged by a person who you loved? 
What anthem do you pull out of your playlist when your very loved one is sitting in a casket? What very anthem do you pull out when your marriage is on such thin ice that one false move sends you plummeting to the bottom of the lake? What anthem do you pull out? Friends, church, churches are crumbling because the people who attend the church no longer live through the anthems that guide us and ground us and empower us and lead us to Christ-like living that's why we worship, friends. We worship God. We, we give him glory. We come together to worship him and declare him as Lord. But it is for us as well. It's to remind us that he is who he says he is. It's to remind us that he is our ever-present help in time of trouble. It is to remind us that he is faithful no matter how we feel. He is good all the time and all the time God is good. We need to take an inventory of the playlist in our lives that we hit play in the moments that we need God the most. That is why we're on a short supply in the American church of real discipleship. Real discipleship is all about learning what it means to not just follow God, but live saturated and soaked and empowered in the spirit of God, grounded in living out of the word of God. Do you know how many Christians can't even tell you the reason for maybe Noah or Moses or Abraham, yeah, Jesus is, is the main character. Jesus is the main thing. But so many people never are grounded in the word of God. People thousands of years ago who never had the word of God would be rolling in their graves right now, saying, they don't know. <laughs> they don't have that as a playlist in their lives. They're like little ships rocking back and forth with every wind and wave and false doctrine and thought and philosophy and new age practice. I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> Again, when we give the Holy Spirit the platform, things change. So let me ask you again, what anthems do you have in your playlist that you are able to play in specific moments of your life? You may say, I don't have any that, are any that draw me to God. But this is where we want to connect you to relationships. We want to connect you to resources. We want to connect you to grow so that changes because the playlist and the anthems in our life do determine and affect and influence the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we behave. But it's you that has to make the discipline to create those playlists for your life. And so just a few years ago, this song that was written in the late 1600s 
was added to a new arrangement of a song called From Whom All Blessings Flow, which is grounded from the doxology, but a little bit more contemporary thought to why we sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. We in America, we like to be prepped and we like it to be said plainly to us to then get us to respond. And this is kind of what this song does. But for the matter of our time, I really wanna focus on the bridge of that new arrangement, which then gets us to be ready on the edge of our seat, let alone standing up with our hands raised high to respond in praise. Because once you get a glimpse and once you start to understand the amazing majestic power of the Godhead three in one, your life will never be the same. We need to understand the role of God. He is so much more than we could ever wrap our human minds around. But we're gonna try this morning. And so the first line of that bridge starts to break down the Godhead Trinity so that we start to understand, whoa, this is the God who flung the universe into existence. This is the God who keeps this earth on axis. One little wrong move or tilt in our atmosphere and on this earth access, we're all done for. That's how amazing God is controlling the planets and the stars and all of creation. And so I'd like to start with the first phrase, which is our God, our Father God, the infinite. I'm going to throw a lot of scriptures at you today. So I really encourage you to grab your phone, grab a piece of paper, Uh, grab your phone and take a snapshot. We don't have time to really unravel these scripture verses, but I want to give them to you so that you in your own time, here's three anthems right here to put in your playlist. Genesis 1-1, Revelation 1-8, and Isaiah 40-28. Go. (laughs) God, the Father, is infinite. That means he goes on and on and on. The Energizer Bunny has nothing on God the Father. God the Father is timeless. He has no beginning and he has no end. Genesis 1.1, here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. He said, bang, and it happened. Just saying. <laughs> Revelation 1.8. In Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and who is to come. That's our Father God. He has the last say. Nothing in your life happens without going past his judgment and his approval. Nothing. The enemy knows his time is short because he was defeated at the cross of Calvary. But he also is roaring like a lion trying to devour you, but he cannot do anything without God giving him approval. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you 
Have you not heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the entire universe. He never grows weak or weary or tired. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. That's our father. That's the judge, the king. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and almighty. And he is omnipresent, all-present. That is God the Father. He's also the matchless king is the next line of that bridge. The matchless king, magnificent. Just think in your own mind, what has been the most magnificent thing you have seen with your physical eye? Mine was the birth of my two kids. What is it? Was it the Grand Canyon? Niagara Falls? Or the sight of your bride walking down the aisle? Or the sight of your groom weeping at sight of you? What has been the most majestic image you can just bring to the front of your mind right now? And now add an infinitely more to that magnificent picture that goes on and on and on and on and on. And one moment when you get to that place where you're like, oh my goodness, then there's an on and on and on to another. Oh my God, that's the right phrase. That's the right grammar. It's because when you see the magnificence of God, you're like Isaiah that says, who am I, a man of unclean lips and the people that follow me of unclean lips? Who am I to behold the holiness of God? That's his majesty, the matchless king. We need to understand that he is a king. It's a kingdom, not a country, not a nation. He's a kingdom of all nations. Nations are people groups. He's a king of all nations. His kingdom is his rule and his reign. Can you say rule over here? Say rule and say reign over here. Rule. Rule. It's his rule and reign. His kingdom has no beginning and no end. God's king of that kingdom, and he is magnificent. Psalms Chapter 145, Psalms 145, verse 3 through 5, it's on the screen. Great is the Lord. That's an anthem for you. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, put a sticky note right on your end table or the mirror that you see first and just put, great is the Lord. Guess what I have on my mirror right now? No, that's a good guess. I set you up. It's, I'm excited for this day. It's because God is great and he's got plans. If I'm living and I'm breathing, he's got plans for me. 
He wants to meet with me. He wants to be with me and in me. And so I'm starting to say, I'm excited for this day. I have no clue what you're going to do, God, but I'm excited. An anthem to put in your playlist is great as the Lord. He is most worthy of praise, meaning he's the only one worth the position of your life that you give praise and adoration to. He's the only one worth it. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. And I will meditate on your majestic, majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Friends, if the glory of the Lord in all its fullness and majesty came right here in this sanctuary, all of us would die. We would die. We can't handle all that we're going to experience in eternity. We can't handle that in our human, broken, finite bodies. Now, we can handle a little bit, and that's what we pray. God, open your heavens. We want to experience your glory, but we need to understand that he is so majestic and so great that too much glory knocks us out of this life. He'll bring us into the next, but hey, he is our matchless king in majesty. Number three, I got to keep moving. The living Christ. Now we're to the son, the son in the Trinity, the son, the living Christ, the servant son. This is one of the most humble, meek titles that anyone could have is the servant. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve, to seek and save that which is lost. He came, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Ready? Rule, reign, his rule and reign. Jesus came to bring that because we could not experience his presence without a sacrificial lamb once and for all to pay for our sin. So Jesus came as a humble servant to serve in our place for our sin. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, there's an anthem. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Philippians 2.5 says, even though Jesus was in equality with God, he was from the Godhead Trinity. He was divine God, but divine, or, but fully man. Divine God, but man in flesh. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, becoming nothing. He emptied himself, finding himself in human form. He emptied himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God has exalted him to the highest place. He is the king. He is in rule and reign that every tongue shall confess, and every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those are anthems 
that will fan the Holy Spirit in your life like nothing you've ever experienced. He's the living Christ, the servant son, number four. He's the prophesied, the saving one. I'm gonna give a plug right now to the Good Friday walkthrough experience. Could everyone just take a moment and pull out your phones if they're not already? Go to your calendar. Go to your calendar, please. I don't think you need network for this. You don't need service. Just go to your calendar. Go to April 14th and 15th, which is a Thursday and a Friday. Block those evenings out and say, I'm going to be here at the Good Friday walkthrough. We've already got 90% of all of our volunteers and servants filled. <laughs> thank you to God, but thank you, Veronica. Um, I say that because many of you won't have a position to serve your position now is to invite people and get them here. This, every time we do this walkthrough, it changes my life. And people need to understand what Jesus did to serve us. But why I bring up the Good Friday tour is in the lobby, there's going to be many different displays, kind of like a, a little walkthrough museum. And there's something about prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. Do you know, depending on the scholar? Depending on the scholar, there were anywhere from 351 to 456 or nine, I think, prophecies on Jesus. Every one of them fulfilled. You take just eight of those prophecies and the odds of Jesus fulfilling only eight of the 300 plus is astronomical odds to where this mathematician said this quote. Can we put the quote on the screen? Any man who rejects Christ as the son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Eight prophecies of the 400 some has this mathematician on his knees because the astronomical odds could only be fulfilled by God himself, and it was. We need to understand that he fulfilled every one of them that makes him the most high God, makes him the risen Christ, makes him the king of kings of this world, and my prayer is that he would be the king of kings of your life. Number five is the Holy Ghost. So now we go to the third Godhead of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. He is a person. He's not a dove. He's not a ghost. He's not a mist. He's a person. He's a presence of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 39 says it so clear on the role of the Holy Spirit and the role of us to attain it. Peter replied, each of you must repent. This is right after they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not some crazy, mysterious thing. It's the holy presence of God, the third head of the Trinity, finding residence in each temple now because of what Jesus did. 
Each of you must repent means turn from your sins and turn to God. Be baptized, Ainsley and Morgan. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children. I'm not trying to yell at you, but I just can't get soft right now. I just can't because this stuff, this stuff is eternal. This stuff is God divine spoken to us. Man, if you would just experience this gift of the Holy Spirit, your life would look so drastically different than what you're living right now. It's a gift. The promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. It is a gift. And all of those who confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, from that very same presence, that power, it comes and lives within us supernaturally. The question is, will you allow the Holy Spirit residence in your life? So many Christians may be uneducated, they don't know, or they just choose to not go there. But just like a landlord, they tell the Holy Spirit, you got the basement, don't come upstairs. You stay there. I want you when I, get, when I cross over Jordan and I take my last breath, I want you there. But in my day-to-day, you stay in the basement and I'll tell you when to come up. Why haven't I experienced the Holy Spirit? Have you let him? Have you invited the Holy Spirit to be your guide, your comfort, your counselor, your help? It's kind of like the man who is lost and abandoned in the middle of an ocean. And his boat is starting to sink and he knows he needs God or else he's not gonna make it. And he says, God, would you please come right now? I need a sign from you. I need you to come, split the heavens, come and save me. And along comes a little propeller boat, little rescue boat and says, sir, come on in. We're gonna, we're gonna rescue you. He says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm waiting on God. I'm I'm waiting on God to come and save me. Thank you, but God is going to save me. And then all of a sudden, a huge ship, a warship, any any Navy uh, vets in the house? Uh, No one, Tony Tony Cardinal. But anyways, Navy ship comes by and says, Hey, sir, here's, what is it? A a life preserver. I couldn't think of what it was. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm waiting for God. Thank you for your service. And all of a sudden, a rescue helicopter comes down, drops its ladder, and says, come on up. He says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. God is going to come. I have to wait and be patient. Helicopter flies away, and the guy dies. And he sees God, and he says, God, why didn't you save me? I had faith. I waited. I called upon you. And God said, you fool. I sent you the propeller boat. I sent you the Navy SEALs. 
and I sent you a rescue helicopter, and you refused. I hope that you don't get in heaven in front of the judgment seat. And the Lord said, I sent you my Holy Spirit to be your help and your comfort and your guide, and you refused. I wanted to move mountains in your life. I wanted to bring miracles and supernatural signs of my kingdom in and through your life, and you refused. Friends, the Holy Ghost is more real than our bodies and our physical world is real. And how you respond, number one, to Jesus will affect your life after this in all of eternity. That is the most important decision you will ever make. How will you respond to Jesus? But you want that kind of life that God promises you now? How you respond to the Holy Spirit will determine how you live your life for God now. The last line of the bridge. Band, you can come on up. We're going to get ready to rock this house out. The faithful friend, the seal of love. The Holy Spirit is called a faithful friend, a seal. Let's look at these passages really quick before you clock out. John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. Jesus says this, just a short while before he goes to the cross. He says, I will ask the Father, first head of the Trinity, and he will give you another helper, the third head of the Trinity, to be with you forever, even the spiritual, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. That's God's promise. And look at uh, Ephesians chapter one. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It says this, in him, the Holy Spirit, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation and believed in him, Jesus Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were sealed, meaning you can't lose it. It's sealed within you, but you sure can reject it. You can quench it. You can throw it in the dark, dark basement of your life. Look at this quote. Look at this quote. It's by an unknown author. It says, by God's grace, you have been filled with God himself. Take that in for a minute. You've been filled with God himself. You have dwelling within you the same spirit who authored scripture, who raised Christ from the dead, who empowered the disciples and hovered over the waters at creation of all things. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. And so I want us all to stand and we're gonna sing this song together. But I want us to go through those six points 
And when we are done with those six points, I want you to respond to who God is. Not how you feel, not what you think, but who God is. That's why David said in Psalm 63, because of your steadfast love, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So let's read this together. Read it with me, one line at a time. Ready? This is who our God is. Ready? Here we go. Our Father God, the infinite. Let's start over. I need all of you. You ready? This is who God is. The angels in heaven are not our Father God, the infinite. Okay? I'm just saying, let's join the angels in heaven. Let's give God something to dwell in. Here we go. Ready? Let's do it. Our Father God, the infinite the matchless king, magnificent, the living Christ, the servant son, the prophesied, the saving one, the Holy Ghost, the gift from above, the faithful friend, the seal of love, this life, this heart, this song to him, my all in all, my everything. Let's sing that with the worship team and then let's respond in praise. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.